0: After a marching almost cold, scholasticoma. Exercise like squamous, some carcinoma. Got body cane throat, I get two ton teeth,
1: pretty much. Green beret tongue wreath. You can see a jet of running water, so I'm navigating the edge of my life, style rinsing the pile of my vial. Welcome to the Inside the Boards Podcast. The podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer, so that you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. I'm your host, Patrick Beeman. Today's episode of the Inside the Boards podcast is brought to you by Picmonic. Picmonic has been proven to increase long-term retention by 331% over traditional text-based materials. Plus, it's fun. Stay tuned to listen more about how you can use Picmonic to increase your scores and to have fun while doing it. You can get Picmonic as part of the Inside the Boards Study Smarter Bundle. For only $59 a month, including a subscription to the Exam Guru Question Bank for MD students or the ComQuest Question Bank for DO students, along with an ITB Premium subscription. Head over to InsideTheBoards.com to check it out. And now, today's interview with Adil Yang from Picmonic. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Beeman. I'm here with uh, Deal Yang from Picmonic. We're going to talk to you a little bit uh, today about Picmonic and uh, Deal's own experience uh, studying for the boards. So with that, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Like I sent you in the email beforehand, I just wanted to go through kind of like a question of the day so that we can keep things boards focused. And Great. today's question comes from the USMLE NBME's sample set that they released this year, and mm-hmm. it goes like this. So a 50-year-old man develops difficulty walking while receiving drug therapy for paranoid behavior. Physical examination shows mass facies and diffuse muscle rigidity. He is slow in initiating movement and walks with a shuffling, narrow-based gait. Which of the following drugs is the most likely cause of these findings? Is it A. Barbiturate, B. Benzodiazepine, C. Monoamine Oxidase Inhibitor, D. Phenothiazine, E. Tricyclic Compound? The answer is, of course... D, phenothiazine. We can probably discuss that a little bit more here later as we go on. But before doing any of these sort of like content stuff, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your personal stories. So why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about your background?
2: No problem. And by the way, we should go back to that question later on. Love to dissect it for the, uh, for the audience and give them a little tip on, uh, on strategy. But my story, I actually went to sc- uh, medical school at the University of Arizona. It's the Tucson campus. And I started out uh, in 2009. I was a uh, class of 2013. And I actually didn't fully graduate until 2015 because I kind of got distracted building Picmonic while I was still a medical student. So that's the uh, quick 30 second story of. Of uh, where I went to school and how Picmonic got started, but I could definitely dive in deeper if, if you'd like.
1: Yeah, so I imagine that uh, during the course of medical school, you saw a need or I guess a absence of what Picmonic uh, provides, the niche it fills. What really prompted you to take what was that two years off then uh, to found this company <laughs> and. Put together a product that uh, is very attractive and very entertaining
2: yeah so you know you, it's funny I, I didn't just see a need it was like i, I wasn't i was experiencing the need myself yeah see at the time uh, i was i remember being uh towards the end of my first year beginning my second year um, i had a good friend who later on became my uh, co-founder mm-hmm. uh, ron so ron and i were study buddies we have this routine where we'd uh, grab a room in the library like a lot of you guys probably have experience with. Um, and we kind of quiz each other on uh, certain facts and things that we had to remember for the for our next exam. And we both struggled a lot with just retaining the information. There was just so much to learn. And at first, we were trying to uh, rote memorize, you know, using flashcards or some of those like online digital flashcards like Anki and StudyBlue and just didn't quite work for us. Like I, I could hold on to the knowledge for about a couple weeks and then it would be gone. And knowing that everything we were learning first and second year, we had to remember for the boards and even beyond, like when we go into our clinical years, it freaked us out. We're like, how the heck are we going to, are we going to do this when we can't even hold on to what we're trying to learn for more than a couple of weeks? Out of desperation, Ron and I, we, we really enjoyed uh, joking around. You know, I think A lot of you have experience coming up with mnemonics when you're studying. So we were really good at coming up with mnemonics. Like we'd come up with the craziest. Most of the time, you know, you could argue a little bit inappropriate. But but those were the mnemonics that really stuck. And thankfully, Ron actually had background in neuroscience research. So learning and memory, there were a lot of techniques that have been research proven, you know, decades of learning and memory research that weren't being utilized. So we kind of geeked out over it and pulled a bunch of research together and say, hey, how can we take all of this and create something that will actually help us with the board? So we literally started uh, creating these stories and pictures and using it for our own studying, but also sharing it with our friends and quickly became a little sensation like people. Everybody wanted to like, you know, be in on our on our little stories. And so that was when we said, why don't we try to put it up online and see if other students from around the country would would even be interested. And when we did that, we we noticed definitely it wasn't just a problem that Ron and I experienced.
1: Okay, cool. I will say, in, in going through Picmonic and looking at some of the stories, the, the things that strike me are how a narrative it is. The degree to which you guys have turned something like a biochemical pathway or some microbe into a story, mm-hmm. I think is what sticks out to me the most and really helps kind of uh, get things to stick. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me a, a little bit of uh, microbiology made ridiculously simple, yeah, that's uh, right, yep, and I think the success of that particular resource probably lay in the fact that the mnemonics and different memory aids that are in there are sort of jarring. They take you out of the usual context and usual framework for medicine and, I guess, access other parts of your brain, uh, as it were, to get things to stick. So Mm -hmm. you yourself, did you make use of uh, microbiology made ridiculously simple in your board's prep?
2: Do you know, we, we, uh, I actually, the first time I was exposed to it was after I had, oh, really? I had studied, uh, microbiology and I, I totally wish I had it when I was uh, going through that course. But, and I would admit shortly after that, um, uh, was when Ron and I really came up with some of the original picmonic So I would, I would definitely attribute some of the, uh, inspiration from that, from that textbook for sure.
1: And, um, when you were studying, uh, what, Particular resources did you use in your own personal preparation?
2: Well, you know, I I definitely was a fan of talking to um, students that were older than me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I I try to go online to look for resources, but as you know, there are so many. There's literally um, a type for any any learner. Uh, if you're a visual person, if you're if you're a type that likes to read, so for me, I kind of spoke to some of my colleagues and friends that were older than me and asked them for advice. And their advice for me was you know, using first aid as sort of a, uh, a guide, um, like really, like they, were, they assured me that first aid really was so high yield that it covered most of what you needed to know for, for the boards. So first aid was sort of my primary kind of go to guide. Mm-hmm. But first, the problem I had with first aid was that I just couldn't read it through it and, and actually remember it because it was so just dense, full of information and in sort of an outline format. So I definitely supplemented a lot with my own, you know, stories and pictures like Picmonic's. You know, whenever I come across a set of facts and first say that I just couldn't remember, that's when I turned to Picmonic. And now actually, like, because we've been doing that, um, we've been building Pygmonics for, for all the different topics. Um, eventually, we want to cover most of uh, medical education. But for now, I think just... Uh, in comparison, we have over like 80% of first aid cover, which is really awesome. So that when students are using first aid as their primary resource, they can turn to Picmonic when they struggle with certain facts. And then for me, it was really about taking a lot of practice tests and questions. um, Because, you know, naturally, I'm not that great of a test taker. So I'm a a little bit slower um, when when it comes to reading. Mm -hmm. So I, I just had to force myself to do a lot of questions. So um, throughout like first and second year, I remember, um, just doing some, you know, free questions online or, or I'd have like, I think our school provided us with some Kaplan subscription. So I was doing some Kaplan questions. I actually never made it all the way through Kaplan, Mm -hmm. but then when I, when it came down to the boards, it was like crunch time, maybe two months left. Then I turned to USMLE world that was, that became my primary resource. So between first aid, UWorld. Uh, um, those were my primary resources.
1: I think it's interesting you mentioned uh, you weren't that or you feel that you're not that great of a test taker. So in medical school or, or even beforehand, were there any particular exams that you, I don't want to say tanked, but maybe didn't do as well as uh, you wanted <laughs> to despite the effort you put in?
2: Well, yeah, I would say, you know, in general, um, I give myself sort of, I'm sort of like a B range kind of test taker. Yeah. Uh, If I want to get A's, I have to study really, really hard. Um, so in thinking back to my, like organic chemistry days, like I really struggle with that. Um, whenever there's like heavy memorization, I don't typically do very well. I love math. I mean, I'm kind of a, uh, more of a conceptual guy. I like, you know, reasoning through things. But I feel like when you're taking these standardized tests, like you just, they don't give you a lot of time to reason through things. You almost have to know it or remember it down pat in order to actually score well. So the MCAT is another example. Like I'm too embarrassed to tell you like what my verbal score was. And um, <laughs> I actually did decent on the uh, the physical sciences and the biological sciences is okay, but yeah. You know, like for me, I, I would say I, I didn't do that well in MCAT and uh, going into medical school, I was always, you know, study hard, probably like upper B range, lower A range kind of kind of student.
1: All right. Well, I think that's probably encouraging to uh, the people listening, because I think they they probably see someone like you who's now devoted full time to helping people succeed on the boards. Um, and then here you are admitting that you're too embarrassed to mention your MCAT score. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. I, I did not do as well on the MCAT as I uh, would have liked. I, I didn't mm-hmm. do terribly, but um, I definitely didn't do uh, what I would consider competitively either. But thankfully, uh, I, I still got into med school <laughs> and made it through, <laughs> survived. That's um, all that matters. <laughs> so, what do they say? P equals MD, right? Pass yep. equals MD. <laughs> If you now, knowing what you know, um, were about to take your step one and you had one to two weeks left, what would you do in that time?
2: So, um, the first thing I'd do is I'd probably take an MBME practice just to make sure that I'm at least in the range where um, I feel comfortable, you know, sticking with that test date. So, I think it's really important that throughout your, you know, say, four to six, sometimes eight weeks of studying that you gauge your growth using um, the MBME practice. Like my recommendation is actually in retrospect, I wish, so I, I took one at the very beginning and I took one near the end, but right about one week or two weeks out. And that was helpful, but I wish I had taken one more maybe in between that. So I would say two to three MBMEs to really gauge your growth. Um, and if, if, if you don't, if you don't like what you're seeing, um, as, as your MBME score, then you still have a chance to postpone it, right? I mean, we all know that. And if you're in the range of what you like, then my advice would be, um, to really two things. One is it's, it's a very mental, uh, physical and mental process to go through the USMLE step one. And one of the things in retrospect is like, I, I just, you know, I didn't realize how important it is to be so, like, sharp on, on the game day. Like, you, you're spending so much time every day learning and you, your brain gets a little dull. And when when game, time, and when game day comes around, just having that sharpness um, is, is actually a huge difference maker, I think. You can try to cram in just a little bit more information in the last week or two. But more likely than not, you're, you're at the top of your, your, your performance already and that if you can spend the last two weeks just sort of emotionally adjusting to the exam, getting your sleep schedule fixed. Um, a lot of us, like myself included, were sort of night people. Like I actually get most focus right around like 9 p.m. I don't know why. Um, but for me, it was I, I made the adjustment to start sleeping early, you know, maybe like three, three days before the exam. And I felt like it was still a little bit uncomfortable for me. Um, I was still having trouble, like my mind was still a little bit like foggy going into the exam and I wish I had maybe started adjusting my uh, sleep schedule maybe like a week before.
1: Sure.
2: So things like that um, and start, you know, really try to eat healthy and uh, kind of taper down your, calf, your, your caffeine and then so that on game day you can still, you know, have the best effect that you can possibly, we all build up tolerance for caffeine and
1: yes. <laughs> get headaches
2: if if I, if I stop taking it. So you got to Try to think about these other things outside of just straight up cramming and studying that actually make a huge difference on game day. And nutrition, right? So, figuring out a plan for how you're going to take your breaks. Um, You get, you know, it's a seven block or eight block, Um, you get seven breaks. So, you want to kind of know how to manage that and what you're going to eat and things like that. Those little little preparation really goes a long way. In terms of studying, uh, if you have two weeks left, I would hope that you had gone through um, at least a majority of of U World and you had already reviewed first aid. If you haven't, I mean, that's where I would put all of my energy and trying to get in as as many um, new questions as I can to try to absorb and, and get into the pace and rhythm. And then for for first aid, definitely, um, my biggest advice would be to try to you know stay real organized so that you know where your weakness. Um, lies in that last two weeks. Highly encourage uh, the listeners to focus on their weakness rather than their strength. A lot of us get really comfortable with certain top su- certain subjects. Like for me, cardiology was was very comfortable, and I really enjoy learning it. And I find myself spending more time on it, despite the fact that I was already pretty prepared in that topic, which I could have spent that same time uh, maybe diving into an area that I wasn't as strong, say the nervous system or, you know, endocrinology, for example. So, um, definitely try to get real organized, know where your weakness is. And in the last two weeks, I'd focus on those. Um, there's a greater strategy of course, with, um, with having, let's say four weeks or six weeks available. And I can share that if, if you're interested.
1: Sure. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, sounds like you had a crazy day. So, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm really interested to talk a little bit more about, uh, Picmonic, uh, mm-hmm. for the audience. So, all right. So you uh, just said yourself, crunch time comes, you're going to fall back on the U World standard and uh, first aid standard. Mm-hmm. So is Picmonic sort of part of a medical student's long game?
2: Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, here's, here's how I think about Picmonic, right? It's the whole value of Picmonic is that when you actually learn a Picmonic, and we've done research to prove this, you actually can remember the Picmonic for months, if not years. I mean, there are still Picmonics that I haven't looked at for years that I still have the image in my head and I can tell you exactly, you know, what disease and what p- processes that Picmonic represents. So Picmonic is meant for the long game. You know, a lot of us say, you know, don't try to study for the boards too early because you're going to forget anyways. That right there is what Picmonic is trying to disrupt. We're trying to say, hey, if you use Picmonic early, you're actually going to remember it. Mm-hmm. So the, the time you're investing in Picmonic early on will pay dividend later. Now, with that though, it's really important to know that Picmonic is also designed to complement some of these primary resources for the boards. So when, when crunch time comes and you're studying for the boards, it's really important that you're using Picmonic as a way to reinforce, uh, the high yield facts that you have to pick up and, and retain in first aid and in U World. So Picmonic is definitely a long game. I would say, you know, I would encourage the listeners to start going through Picmonics that are uh, relevant for your courses throughout your first and second year, because you know when you put in the time, you're going to remember it. And then when boards uh, comes around, you already have all those images in your, in your memory committed to in in your memory. So reviewing uh, is really quick and efficient and you get to complement the progress you're making through first aid.
1: Okay. So on your website, I noticed a a few things uh, as far as the research you had mentioned goes. uh, Mm -hmm. Two of the claims you have on there are that Picmonic will help you increase your attention by 331%. Mm -hmm. And there's another uh, little snippet advertised that says, hello to 240 plus. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about those?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, So... There, there's truth in both of those statements. Um, for the first statement, which is increasing your knowledge, knowledge retention, long-term knowledge retention by over 330%, we actually conducted a, an IRB-approved uh, randomized controlled study. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of went real hardcore with it. Um, yeah, partnered-
1: sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: People only do that in like drug studies, but we decided to do it in an educational study, which was actually kind of fun. But we at, we partnered with Midwestern University, had their students um, opt into the study. Um, this was all first year medical students. Um, and we had a pre-test and a post-test. We had mapped out a study design where the students were randomized into two groups. And one group received pycmonics and the other group received standard kind of powerpoint delivered more largely text-based information that we're all used to getting in our lecture notes and we get and they, they cover the same topics and they were given the same amount of time to study it so um, imagine both groups got uh, allocated a chunk of time during the day they would study what they were supposed to and then we gave them tests uh, immediately after a week after and a month after and the 330 percent was the difference in how much uh, the students in the, con- uh, in the experimental group outperformed the students in the control group a month after they had both studied the same amount uh, of information and given the same amount of time. So we have that uh, study actually published. Uh, so if, if you can go to like PubMed, just type in Pygmonic, and you will find that study, and it's really, really cool. Uh, so that's that's where we got that number from. And then the second quote about 240 plus, yeah. we also had a, um, a research special that we did early on uh, in Picmonic's company life. We actually uh, encouraged students to submit their, uh, they have to agree to submit their score to us. And then we gave them um, sort of a, a big discount. And But they, they promised that they would re- return their score to us. Now, Granted, this isn't you know your traditional like randomized right. control study, so sure. you know, there is that. We can't actually quote that in let's say a research paper because there's a lot of other variables, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. selection bias, or people who submit their score to us probably willingly did so. But regardless, <laughs> we had um, uh, two thousand students, and they and they came from all over the place. They had um, we had lots of you know traditional allopathic schools. We have uh, osteopathic schools, we had Caribbean schools, we even had international schools. So uh, everybody uh, that submitted their score, we kind of took an average. And the average actually came out to be 237. And then when we controlled for some of the other um, issues, like people actually submitted uh, the wrong score, like um, when, we, when we eliminated some of those kind of noise, we got, you know, 240 plus for uh, our student average, which we were really proud of. Um, granted, again, I will emphasize um, there are selection bias in this, but we at least know that the students who did submit their score and use Picmonic were proud of their their exam um, score and results, and they were willing to submit that to us.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate the honesty and the um, critical kind of uh, assessment of those claims, uh, but I, I think the way you explain it does make the, the product seem very attractive, mm-hmm. uh, just from the results-based claims that you can make and the fact that you have put the work in as a company to kind of validate the potential of using Picmonic for board study. You're probably, I would guess, and I'm speculating a bit here, uh, unique in that respect. Not a lot of companies invest significant time and energy, as it sounds like you guys did, uh, to validate the success potential that's that's there. So, um, I mm-hmm. guess, kudos. All right, so who should use Picmonic? Uh, is this uh, first and second years only? Oh, no, we actually
2: have um, uh, material for third years as well now. We cover the different clerkships so people can use it throughout their rotations for their shelf exams and they can actually use it for step two as well. We've mapped out um, the step two curriculum um, to our uh, Pygmonic so that even third-year students and fourth-year students taking their step two can use it. Um, But I would highly encourage, so first of all, um, I will say this and I know you're Probably going to be surprised, but Picmonic really isn't for everybody. Uh, it's a, it's a different learning style, right? You could imagine it's, it's highly visual, it's highly creative, mm-hmm. sometimes really bizarre, and you have to kind of appreciate the humor in that. And so there there have been students in the past that I've had you know candid discussion with that say you know Picmonic really isn't the right resource for me. They didn't they didn't mean like it being a bad resource, just it wasn't the right learning style for their particular preference. So one of the most important thing that we try to uh, let our users know is to give it a try before you, you really commit to it. That's why we have sort of a free trial for students to actually, we give them free tokens. They go in, they can pick any topic they want. They can use the PicMonic and see if it's really the right fit before they commit to, to purchasing it. Um, so that's really important. But in general, I would say if you're a visual person, if you enjoy Kind of storytelling, if you enjoy humor, if, if you like to maybe laugh at something that's otherwise very, very serious, I think Picmonic would be a great resource for you because, I mean, it, it makes me laugh every time I see certain characters and, you know, doing really odd things. You know, for me, it's just such a break from the monotony of, of uh, traditional medical education where you're just reading never ending text based uh, information.
1: Yeah, and I, I did see in on the website as well, and at least in in this this N of one myself, going through the the trial, I ran out of uh, Picmonics to to <laughs> go through, and I was I was a little bit disappointed, even though I'm uh, well beyond boards at this point. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe one of these days I'll just uh, curl up with my iPad and um, just uh, go through things and and keep learning. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. As you can probably attest, once you're done with step one and step two, there there is a certain sigh of relief and being able to focus oh, and read whatever <laughs> whatever you want. But maybe I'll maybe I'll make use of it for my uh, OBGYN boards, which are also there. This you year. go. <laughs> well, on that fun note, because um, you claim that uh, you can maybe make uh, learning in medical school fun, which um, I'm sure for most people is a highly contestable idea. Let's just. Take a look. You won't be able to see, but um, you can listen to the audio from that, um, the uh, high-potency antipsychotic drug, mm-hmm. uh, Picmonic, which mm-hmm. um, I think is entertaining. So um, <laughs> I'm going to show the uh, viewers on Periscope what we're looking at here. I'm just, like, doing all this technology stuff. Uh,
2: I know. You got you got your I have professional like, recorder. You got <laughs> I got, like, so
3: many uh, Apple devices uh, going right now. <laughs> and here we go. High-potency antipsychotics, represented by the antipsychiatrist in the high pot, are a class of drugs used to treat schizophrenia, mania, and agitation. Commonly used high-potency antipsychotic drugs are flufenazine, the fluffy Nazi, trifluoperazine, the truffle purse, and haloperidol, depicted by the halo poodle. These drugs have severe side effects associated with their use, such as neuroleptic malignant syndrome, and extrapyramidal symptoms, shown by the x pyramid with symptoms. Symptoms associated with short-term use, illustrated by the short pyramid with the clock and the date, include dystonia, the dystone, and torticollis, depicted by the tortoise collar. Extrapyramidal symptoms associated with long-term use of high-potency antipsychotics, the tall pyramid with the calendar, include tardive dyskinesia, portrayed by the tardive disc kite, and parkinson's symptoms shown by the park in sun garage. Yeah, so that's uh, a very entertaining uh,
1: approach to antipsychotics. I'm I'm sure yeah. if pharmacology had uh, had a lot more uh, visual images like that, I would have uh, mm-hmm. I probably... And
3: probably you
2: should you should definitely play the story as well because one of the things that I think some of the the uh, early users tell us is, you know, they they don't quite understand like some of the images and how they come together. And it's kind of confusing because we actually have an educational audio, which explains the the science. And then we have a a creative audio, which is a story. So I don't know if you want to play that as well. And it ties just together.
1: Do you, do you write these
2: yourself? Actually we do. We, um, this is how kind of behind the scenes, how, how the Pygmonics come together. So we have um, students, we have doctors, we have professors, who we call scholars. So these are our, uh, you know, kind of academic information experts that can tell you, all right, here are all the facts that go into a PicMonk or go into this particular topic. And from there, they have to provide uh, the, the scientific explanation for how different things come together. And we don't really fully trust ourselves. And, you know, come, I mean, as, as a medical student, when I was coming up with these, I knew that, hey, I should probably get it reviewed by someone who's, uh, more expert in, in this particular topic. So we kind of have a process where we first make sure the academic information is correct. Um, have multiple people review it. Once the academic information is correct, uh, is correct. It goes into what we call the creative workflow. So that's when things get interesting. We have, uh, people on our team that we call wizards. Um, these are, uh, kind of their backgrounds in creative writing or, um, uh, journalism or creative uh, like English major. Yeah, so, they, so they're not
1: actual wizards?
2: No, they're not actual God. wizards,
1: unfortunately. <laughs> I don't
2: but they close enough. Kind of <laughs> wave a pond <laughs> and magically allow. Like, that would be amazing, right? Um, so they kind of take a hold of this uh, medical and academic content and they start putting their creative spin on it to come up with a story that ties everything together. Um, uh, something like, you know, you got your your hippo who is maybe riding a kite and it's like, wow, you know, like that's really random, but there's a story behind it. Um, Once that creative information gets put together, um, then it goes down the the workflow and goes, gets into the hands of like our, our illustrators and artists who put the image together throughout this process. We actually have checkpoints where people can go back in and say, okay, this still looks good. The concept's still correct. And then when it comes out, Finally, we actually have a voice actor that goes in and, 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 and you know, uh, recites the, the transcripts, both the creative and the story. And then at, at the end of the day, we have a, a full picmonic with an audiovisual walkthrough and the interactive characters.
1: You said uh, you'd love to return to that question from the beginning. Yep.
2: So dissecting the question. Right. I think um, one of the things that I've learned uh, from from taking my step one is. Uh, you, there are two two pillars that you have to kind of master. One is obviously the medical information, and that comes from first aid and really retaining the knowledge. It comes from pick monitor, It comes from doing a lot of questions. But there's another side to it, which is like test taking abilities, like being able to read quickly or figure out shortcuts or learn how to eliminate certain certain answers. So, you know, that's the side that I think is oftentimes um, kind of underappreciated. And yes. I've learned so much uh, in this last couple of years um, that looking back, I'm like, man, if I had the knowledge I have now about how to approach questions and the pacing, yep. that I would probably do amazing on these board exams. Um, but so if, if I look at this question, right, so right off the bat, actually, one of the first things I do is I, I, I look at the last sentence and I look at the, I just glance at the answers real quick um, because it kind of frames my reading um, of the vignette um, without allowing my mind to kind of wander off multiple directions so right off the bat it's asking for a drug it's asking for a drug for a particular um, potential complication so if i know that then i'm then i'm reading thinking about what drug this particular person had taken right so all of a sudden when i'm reading this question from the beginning i'm looking for that answer um, and when I skim the answer choices, I know that it's it's going to be some kind of psychological uh, problem, and that's why step one is is so challenging. But there's also a, a you know a benefit to them grouping their answer choices in a way that they're they're not going to give you answer choices that are completely random. Sure, like the answer choices are really good distractors, which also mean collectively they're guiding you towards a particular indication. So they're not going to give you maybe. Here you have barbiturate benzo, so these are all kind of acting in the central nervous system. You know that okay, this is going to be some kind of psych um, patient, right? Or or potential seizure. But you got psych and seizure, you're not going to think about they're going to, they're not going to throw an in insulin, right? And they're not, they're not going to throw in let's say um, a gliburide. Like it's just that wouldn't make any sense. And so all of a sudden, just by glancing at this group of answers, you're thinking, okay, I'm I'm looking for a psych issue. And I'm looking for um, a particular drug with a complication right there. That took me less than like 10 or 20 seconds. If I just glance sure. and that will save me so much more time when I'm reading the actual question itself. So that's one trick that I've learned. So now that I have it in mind, kind of the, the framing of this question, I'm reading this, this prompt, uh, this vignette and it says a 50 year old man develops difficulty walking or receiving drug therapy for paranoid behavior. It, it's like, Boom, right ride right on the money because you're yeah. already thinking a psych disorder. You're thinking paranoid behavior. Yep. Paranoid behavior in, in the step one world is almost like, you know, uh
1: quintessential uh, schizophrenia.
2: Quintessential <laughs> like keyword or or you know, one of those flag words for for schizophrenia or for, you know, that spectrum of disorder. So all of a sudden you're going, All right, so what are the drugs below that are for schizophrenia? Right? Like yep. I'm I'm almost even done without having to continue. But I think it's good to keep reading. I, I always tell people like, don't just like not not read the whole question because sometimes I get really excited because I already kind of know where, where this is going. Yeah. But actually finishing the question is really important because sometimes I've learned um, that the last tidbit of information actually can uh, prevent me from picking a distractor. So the last bit of information right there says uh, mass facies, diffuse muscle rigidity, and in uh, for for the listeners who. At least done. At least maybe one skim, uh, one skim through a first. Say would know that's pretty much a kind of a path mnemonic for some of some of the dystonia that you get with um, with antipsychotics. So right then and there, I'm I'm going back to the questions and I'm looking for antipsychotics. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is the one example where I actually re- relied less on elimination, I relied more on just pinpointing the answer and going straight to it. There are certain questions it's more kind of set up for eliminating the wrong answers. In this case, you know, you you look down, you're looking for an antipsychotic. And if you've done your at at least basic understanding and reading, you know, there's only one antipsychotic in this group of five. And that makes it really, really easy. Awesome. Um, Maybe in the future, we'll do another question that's more of a process of elimination, and I have some tricks there
1: as well. Awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and uh, help out these uh, med students who are probably uh, freaking out about uh, their upcoming <laughs> tests, and hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully, together we can uh, help them freak out less. That's right. Um, and I will say, too, that uh, uh, Adil and uh, Picmonic have um, offered to. Uh, give a free subscription to somebody um, who leaves a review on iTunes. So send us a screenshot of your review to info at insidetheboards.com, and you'll be entered uh, to win uh, that particular drawing. So, And as a bonus, I'll include now this story from the high-potency antipsychotics Picmonic that Adil mentioned beforehand.
0: Die psychiatrist has his patients take a fast and perilous path to wellness. He just has them leap from the high pot. But he doesn't exactly tell them beforehand. First, he just has them get familiar with the Halo Poodle to gain their trust. Then he cues the fluffy Nazi to throw the truffle purse over the side. The Halo Poodle goes to fetch it, and the patients take the plunge. By the time they land, Patients are well enough to start exploring the X-Pyramids of Egypt. The anti-psychiatrist carries out treatment near the X-Pyramids because they help him spot a few worrisome symptoms that he's always looking out for. Patients have been known to throw truffles before they even land on the dice stones of the short X-Pyramid, which pin the heads of native tortoise collars sideways. This behavior can be spotted within hours or days of landing. After weeks and months, some patients climb the long calendar pyramid for a better view of what they think is a setting sun, only to discover it's the Park sun Parking Garage. If they take a tar dive with the disc kite after seeing this, they still need help. The methods of Hypot and Thai psychiatrists take effect quickly, but patients must be observed when diving headfirst into wellness.
1: Head over to InsideTheBoards.com to sign up for our newsletter where you can stay up to date on our various podcast offerings, products, and high-yield review of products and even leave us an audio message with your questions to help you succeed in medical school. You can always follow us on Twitter at Boards Insider, Facebook.com slash InsideTheBoards as well as on Instagram and Pinterest. As always, Thank you so much for listening and for becoming involved with our community. We look forward to continuing to help you study smarter, not harder. I'd like to thank Anthony Sanders and the band The Island of Misfit Toys for providing the music for this week's episode. The song is Bath off The Island of Misfit Toys album I Made You Something. You can find them at t i o n t dot or facebook.com slash the Thailand of Misfit Toys. If you want some good lyrics and some sweet jams for while you study, you should check them out. Inside the Boards is in no way affiliated with United States Medical Licensing Examination, Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical Licensing Examination, National Board of Medical Examiners, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, or National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners. All exam names and other trademarks are the property of the respective trademark owners. Content discussed during this program is the property of Inside the Boards or the attributed trademark owner and may not be reproduced without permission from the appropriate entity. Inside the Boards fully adheres to the respective policies on irregular behavior outlined by the aforementioned credentialing bodies.